the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Afternoon, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, good to be with you today. Great show for us today. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. All right, I want to get your comments on this and your thoughts. A video went viral today of Congresswoman Nancy Mace. Do you already know what I'm going to talk about? It's not the, there's two. She's going viral in two. We talked about the UFOs yesterday. We're not talking about the UFOs now. Uh, we are talking about the way she started her talk at the Tim Scott South Carolina prayer breakfast this morning. Okay, so I need you to understand, this is the prayer breakfast for Senator Tim Scott and Nancy Mace. He's a senator from uh, South Carolina, also running for president. And she is a congresswoman from South Carolina, so she is part of this prayer breakfast. And here's how she started it out. I woke up this morning at 7. I I was getting picked up at 7.45. Patrick, my fiancé, tried to pull me by my waist over this morning in bed. And I was like, no, baby, we don't got time for that this morning. Uh, I got to get to the prayer breakfast. And I got to be on time. And a little TMI. But um, I... He can wait. He's got, we got, I'll see him later tonight. Um, But I was here early. Well, there you go. What's wrong with that? Well, you you know, it's at a prayer breakfast, Arnold. And uh, so did you catch all of that? You probably did. So she's late to the prayer breakfast. So what she's doing is explaining why she's late to the prayer breakfast. This is a Christian prayer breakfast. Okay, it's political. Maybe you've been to these things. There, are, Some of them are pretty good. Tim Scott's one is usually pretty good. He's a solid uh, evangelical Christian. And, uh, you know, sometimes they're very ecumenical. You can hardly tell that it's even, uh, you know, Christian or even spiritual sometimes. But sometimes they're pretty good. But you always invite people who are nominally Christian or maybe they're not Christian at all. They're just government officials. They show up. But Nancy Mace goes to church. Nancy Mace says she's a Christian. I don't know much more about it than that. But here is what she said. I'm going to play that again one more time. I woke up this morning at 7. I, I was getting picked up at 7.45. Patrick, my fiancé, tried to pull me by my waist over this morning in bed. And I was like, no, baby, we don't got time for that this morning. Uh, I got to get to the prayer breakfast. And I got to be on time. And a little TMI. But um, I... He can wait. He's got, we got, I'll see him later tonight. Um, but All right, there you go. Early. So uh, she is uh, got her uh, fiancé at home, and uh, she uh, tells him he's got to wait till later. This is a person not married. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. How do you respond to this as a Christian? And I'm getting to, I don't mean response to Nancy Mace. This is not about her. Because I think what she's talking about is common today. And I really want to ask this question. Have we of Christians as Christians, lost our moral authority or lost our holiness in the area of uh, sexual fidelity and other stuff. Meaning that, you know, 
this comment, it's making a lot of the rounds. And, of course, you know, it's one of those things, you know, like, oh, okay. Like I had a guy, you know, who uh, he got saved in prison, and his testimony is great, right? It's a great testimony. He can't give his testimony without dropping an F-bomb every third word. And, you know, the thing is, is the way Christ saved him, and he's working on it, right? But he's just so used to it, he can't do it. That's part of it. But he's put that in the past as much as he can. It's still it's still happening. And, you know, I, I really can't put I can't put him on our show. You, you, every third word would be bleeped out. It, you wouldn't be able to listen. You know, have we lost our sexual ethic as Christians? You know, some people are responding pretty harshly to her. Other people are responding and they're saying, uh, you know, don't worry about it. There's, there's a whole lot of uh, different response. Her response later, she put this out on her Twitter. She said, look, uh, I'm a sinner. I think that I think that, you know, church is for sinners, not for saints. Um, I know people have some, uh, you know, theological difficulty. I don't think she was making a theological statement now because I think everybody who's saved is a is saint. I think that biblically speaking, you can say that. Uh, I don't think that's the way she was using it. I think she was saying, hey, you know what? I've got my struggles. I want to put it out there. I heard her interviewed on another show, and that's what she said. She said, you know what? I'm authentic. I just tell people what's going on, right or wrong. And uh, but what I'm wondering is, is she? You know what? What are your thoughts about this? Where is our influence in culture when it comes to sexual ethic? Is her uh, mourning and living with her boyfriend or who's now a fiance? Is that the Christian normal now? It certainly has changed. What do you think? Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Lashawn in Los Angeles. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hello. Hi. You know, it's very unfortunate that this has become the accepted norm within the body of Christ, mm. but it's wrong. Yeah. And and the Bible says, you know, in First Corinthians, I believe it's uh, chapter uh, six. He says, you know, you don't even hear that once named among the the the, the sinners. Yeah. You know, the heathen. And he said at the end, he tells us, he said that he that had called himself a brother, then we judge. And we are to judge her and tell her or not to even eat at the dinner table with her. And here she is leading the, the prayer breakfast. So it's not just on her. It's a collective thing as us as a whole, as a body of Christ, are not holding one another up to the holy uh, standard to call the integrity of what God has commanded. He ain't asked us. This is a command from the Lord for us to live. LaShawn, well, you you said you think this has become the Christian norm. Would you say that that, you know, cr- cr- cross the board in Christianity in the United States or maybe the world? Yeah, I know in the United States, and even like we're even, pen- I'm, I, come, I have a Pentecostal <clears throat> background, and um even now, the things that used to be totally rebuked, you know, they didn't have no problem in, in, in a lot of the bigger churches now, you know, they, they're saying what is with the love of Christ. But that is that that's that's man's philosophy. The Bible is never going to change. He tells us. He gives us all an instruction, but if if you go and you ask or you see, I I'm a part of not just my church, but we have a denomination that has 
set, you know, different sets and we have light jurisdictions and, and districts, when it comes to going to prayer and Bible study, it's very vacant now mm. where they used, you know, and they used to hold at least the leaders, but a lot of the leaders are not even there. So a lot of, you know, if, if it continues to be practiced that way, then the standards will go down because they can't live what they're not, you know, supposed to be held Hell, you know, yeah. Do you think that this impacts the culture beyond the church? Oh, definitely. But, it, you know, judgment is going to begin in the house of God. So <laughs> you better, you know, yeah. you said the world, you know, don't worry about the world because the world is what it is. Yeah. You know, the world is the world and, and the world is, is not come. But once you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are no longer you you are held to a higher standard, and the process begins when you call on the name of the Lord. And then he says, take my yoke and learn of me, you know. Yeah. And we know that, that we we have to work with it, and it's a process. But she's coming with, with, a, with an attitude of no repentance, no no shame, no, no kind of... Like, uh, well, you know, the church, no, the church is not. We're saints. Mm-hmm. And saints, have, he gives us power over all flesh. Right. All right, LaShawn. You know, so we got to start holding people up to what the Word of God, not what we think, but what God has, He, you know, has uh, given us instructed to do. Yeah. And we got to be more proactive on that, like once before. All right, LaShawn. And when they do, we had a different society. Yeah, okay? I think it impacts. Thank you for calling and uh, speaking on that. Number is 888-528-2557. Is LaShawn right? You know, there are, this is something I think that has changed, the sexual ethic in the church today. And if you're just joining us, the Pastor Scott Show, Congresswoman Nancy Mace uh, announced that the reason she was late to a prayer breakfast, a prayer breakfast in South Carolina today, was because uh, her fiancé wanted to get frisky with her as they woke up in the morning. And uh, you know what I mean? Do people even say that anymore? <laughs> it's not like an old thing. Do we even, It's like a cat food, right? What is it? So... Uh, you know, I don't know if what's even the appropriate. No, God, please, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. you know. So, anyway, what I'm getting at is I'm looking at a culture, an entire culture, a church culture, but also an American culture that has lost its mind, and it's gone further. Right? the The sexual revolution happened in the late '70s. Okay, so what's happening now? You know, now we're in a place where almost anything goes and there's almost no no truth being told it seems like in a lot of places in the greater culture and does the sexual ethic of the church have have we lost our moral authority in this area because of things like this 888-528-2557 888-528-2557 is it correct that this is now kind of the christian norm and if it is let's say for the sake of argument that the christian norm now is sex before marriage while uh, taught, typically, I think that you should wait until marriage, that if you're doing it, uh, it doesn't really matter that much. Uh, if you're doing it, then you know what, uh, good for you. You probably ought to go get married eventually. 888-528-2557. And how does it impact our collective ministry? How does it impact us? I think it does. 
I think that, you know, her comment today, you know, there's kind of some humor on it. And, and there's another way to look at it is, okay, at least she's authentic, right? She's not pretending to be something that she's not. That's the other side of it, right? There's another side of this kind of thing that gets highly, so highly legalistic about our sin that nobody admits that they have any sin. And then you just, uh, you know, look down upon other people with sin. And the only reason you get away with that is because people haven't figured out what your sin is. And there is a place where we are to confess our sin uh, with each other. And LaShawn, by the way, was right, is that the Bible doesn't tell us not to judge anyone. When you, when you study it, it's talking about, you know, the church should judge people in the church. And to judge, sometimes that's harsh. Sometimes it is, hey, we're going to remove people from the church. But other times it's more of an encouragement. It's to say, hey, you know what, this is, this is wrong. And uh, I want to help you uh, turn to Christ. And a penitent person, a person, you know, all of us struggle with stuff. I do. Everybody listening here struggles with something. And we've all blown it in one way or another. There is a place for the church to restore each other. But there's a reason, I think, that is even beyond uh, our own holiness, meaning that there's, there's a reason we are to be holy. There is a reason that the church is supposed to be different than the world, particularly in the area, really in a lot of areas, but certainly in sexual ethic. 888-528-2557. Has the church um, adopted a a worldly sexual ethic? Do we just tolerate that today? What do you think? 888-528-2557. Annette in Costa Mesa, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi. Hi, Annette. What do you think? Hi. Hi. I don't think it's a norm. I think this is how I feel. I feel like the devil used her to slap us Christians in the face. Mm. She used uh, Nancy Mace. Or the yes, devil used Nancy because, Mace today. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what she said. I mean, she didn't even have to um, say all that. Like she said, um, like she was giving out too much information. That was totally too much information. Right. <laughs> From a Christian's point of view. And um, I really don't feel like she is a Christian. I think I feel like she's a backslidden Christian, and um, and she says she sins. Well, uh, well, she's sinning every day. So um, I just don't understand that statement. Yeah, it is. You know, the the thing is, we all sin, right? And you're you're not disqualified from. Uh, your faith because you sin, but there's something to be said about continuing to sin in the same way, defiantly. Right. Right? And that's where you really question, I think, the uh, a person's behavior in different ways. Sometimes there's addiction and there's other things that make it complicated, but you still have to ask, is there a struggle going on here, right? Is there work going on to become more Christ-like or to become more holy, to repent? Or are you saying... Uh, I'm going to follow Jesus where it works for me, but where it doesn't work for me, I'm just going to ignore it because I like this better. Right. Right. Uh, and, you know, would you say that the you say that the, this isn't the norm in the church? So uh, where would you say the church is sort of on the spectrum of what are we tolerating as far as internally Christians and their own sexual ethic? Well, I think it all depends on... Um the word Christian, mm-hmm. she just used that word just to say, I'm a Christian, and then she's sinning every day with her husband, with her boyfriend sexually. But I would say that's like pretty said, prevalent in uh, Christian churches today across the spectrum. Um, not to say, I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's, it's, right. it is, she's not rare 
it's rare that she talked about it like that, I suppose. But And maybe not. Maybe that's actually not rare, to be honest with you. What do we, um, you I, know, I, I but would, you wouldn't say yeah, so. Well, well, I would just say it, um, it just depends because a lot of Christians that I know wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. They would uh, they would get married first instead of fornicating every day. So, um, and I, I, for me, I feel like she's just throwing out the word Christian, that she's a Christian. Maybe so, right. You know, uh, what I'm concerned about is, is that what a lot of people think uh, is acceptable in Christianity today? You know, is she throwing it out there because, because maybe most people in that crowd are on the same page? You know, that's an interesting thing. All right, uh, Annette. Uh, thank you very much for calling Pastor Scott Show. I think, th- you know, that's the, the piece here is the Bible is very clear that marriage, purpose of marriage is one man and one wife to come together, um, you know, a man and a woman, a sex reserved for marriage. And, you know, there has been some ways maybe that that has been taught or enforced that come under a lot of criticism today and different things. And, and you know the world is much different you know my kids i've got to talk to them differently about this than my parents would have had to talk about it to me and that's because of the prevalence of pornography you know it existed when i was in high school but you didn't really have access to it not like today or if you did have access to it other people you couldn't do it privately people are going to know right you had to go out you had to go buy a magazine or go buy something where you got to deal with a cash register or whatever there was a element of shame with it and that's something else that's gone now. Maybe we are in a place where um, we have accepted this too much. In some churches, there was a swing the other way, where there has been in Christianity a lot of tolerance of uh, premarital sex. Uh, so it swings another way, where it's not just grace or you can repent. It's, this is fine, don't worry about it. You know, by the way, the statistics uh, say that uh, people who live together before they're married have a much greater chance of divorce. Did you know that? Some people say, well, you know, you wouldn't uh, buy the car without a test drive or comments like that. But actually, statistically speaking, couples who uh, don't sleep together before their marriage have a much better, before they get married, have a much better chance of a successful marriage. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One of the reasons is because, you know, if you're cohabitating before you're married. The studies say that the reason you're doing that is probably that there's a commitment problem anyway that one or both people have, and therefore there's a better chance of divorce no matter what, because you already have a commitment problem. That's why you're not getting married first. You know, scripturally speaking, if you really want to study this and why, the book of Song of Solomon that hardly anybody teaches, it actually is a a story about a couple, and it's romantic, and they're attracted to each other. They're attracted to each other physically. And it describes, it's poetry, but it, it's not hard to figure out what it means. You know, there's some disputes of you know, one passage or, or another, and people will interpret who's saying what. But the general story is a couple who are attracted to each other, but they hold off on sexual intimacy. But they also explain that they want it. They don't say it's bad. They don't say that the desire is bad. They don't say that the desire is not of God. They say that, no, this desire is for real. But that book explains why. And the reason why comes down to a place where it says you want to keep the uh, fox out of the vineyard, meaning that when you've got a vineyard, maybe some of you have this going on, or you've got a farm or something, you've got your growing tomatoes or something, you want to keep the critters out. And the foxes would come into the vineyard and they would grab the the grapes off the vine before they're ripe, before they're usable. 
And the idea is you want to let your love for the reasons that are most important grow first. And that when you hold off on the sexual intimacy, it allows your relationship to grow, where often when that's the area that you get into, that becomes the relationship. The relationship becomes about that. And then the problem is, is that later on when you get married and you have real life and uh, you go broke, somebody gets sick, somebody gets in a car accident, somebody has got, uh, you know, personal habits that uh, you don't like very much. You know, when you're living with somebody and you are having to do life and you're sharing the bank accounts and you're sharing the decisions and then kids come into the picture and you got to figure out how to deal with kids. You know, if your whole relationship is built on sex, you're in a lot of trouble. It's just the way it is. The Bible teaches that, hey, this sex is something that's very good and it's meant to be good for a married couple, but it's meant to wait. That book, they wait, they wait. And then in chapter three, they have a wedding. And in chapter four, they have a honeymoon. And you're right there for the honeymoon. It's graphic. That's probably why you haven't studied it. Uh, Because people don't want to talk about this in church, even though church is, you know, the only place we don't talk about it. When I'm thinking about this too, and I think that the sexual ethic of the church is messed up, that we have not seen this internally as such a thing that's important. And you have a lot of scandal in the church. You have a high divorce rate. It's not as high as, you know, when you hear that the divorce rate in the church is the same as the rest of the culture, it's not actually true. Uh, But the church divorce rate is high, much higher than it should, because it used to be, it used to be a, a apologetic for the church, meaning that it was an argument for, hey, these people have it right. These people have sexuality right. You know, people messed up and, and things were happening, but a lot of people said, nope, we are, going to, we are going to wait until we're married. And what was coming out of that were better marriages, better parenting, better, you know, understanding of kids. Kids, there was a whole lot that happens. And it was attractive and it was uh, contagious in the culture where other people would say, I don't know if I believe in your God, but whatever you're doing, it seems to be working better for you. And that's why we had a better sense of right and wrong. And there's always been issues of, of, you know, people doing stuff. But I think that the craziness that we're dealing with today, when we come back, I'll talk about some of the craziness that uh, we're seeing in some testimony in Washington today has to do with the, you know, the transition, uh, transgender issue, and in particular, uh, women's sports and men who are allowed to dress in the dressing room the women's dressing room, simply because they say they're women. And, you know, people are asking, how did we get this messed up? You're going to hear a congressman talk about, we must have all lost our minds. But I think that these things are connected. And I'll get your thoughts on that as we return. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. Pastor Scott Show be back as the Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Ms. Scanlon, my daughters are going to watch this because you have become their new hero, and I can assure you that my four-year-old and my two-year-old daughters will not change in front of biological men. This is ridiculous. I don't care what party you are a part of. If you think that we are all equal and the same biologically, you've literally lost your mind. And when my two daughters work hard in the sport, work hard in their craft to be the best that they can be amongst other women, they will compete 
against other women. I owe Victoria and Olivia and every other young lady in this country that. If you think I'm wrong, I am not the problem. I can assure you. That's Representative Wesley Hunt from Texas, who is responding in a congressional hearing about this issue. And in particularly here, it is about women's sports and men, biological men, who are allowed to have full access to ladies' showers and locker rooms and dressing rooms simply by claiming that they are now women. Whether they're even in, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, they just say it. And what's happening is that the women are not being told. They're being forced to accept it. And you've probably heard this story. I could do story on this subject every single day, every day. There are days where I've just, we've done it so much, we just have to not do it, right, to not talk about it. But every day, this is happening, and it's a major story, and it can't be partisan, just like uh, he said, And I don't think it is in the minds of uh, parents who are out there. I think that's what we're seeing in the school protests and a lot of different things. But for our purposes today, this is what I'm thinking about. I think that the reason, you know, people always say, how did we get here? How did we get to a place where a dude can just go into the ladies' room and say, I'm a dude, and strip down and just be in there? And the women are the ones who get in trouble if they object to this. How did we get here? And there's a lot of good answers to that when you get into the uh, philosophies really over decades that have been developing and that have been kind of under our noses and now it's out there. But I think there is another one. I think, I'm going to tell you this, I think it's because the church in our country has lost moral authority on issues like this. Moral authority is the idea that it necessitates an existence to and an adherence to something that's true, that's actually true. Like, that is ultimately true. And so the question when it comes to moral authority is, who declares with authority what's right and wrong? Like, who's decided that boys and girls should have separate showers? Who's decided that? Well, all of human history until recently has agreed on that. And I think still human beings agree on that. But who decides that, right? The answer is, whoever has the moral authority to decide that. And the reason atheism doesn't work very well is because if there's no God or no higher power or nothing that fills that role, then in your belief system, then who gives a person or a country or one particular religion the right to have authority over another? Well, nobody does. There's no right and wrong in that case, only power and oppression and the survival of the fittest. That's all you've got. And uh, then you can do whatever you want morally if that's the case. But if there is a God, if there is an ultimate lawgiver, then whoever is obeying that God or communicating what that God has to say, they're the ones who have the actual moral authority, and it can't be challenged. Okay? I think that the church has had this moral authority, but I think we've lost it. You know, I want you to listen to this. This is uh, who he was talking about. This is Paula Scanlon. She's another uh, woman swimmer who was part of the Leah Thomas episode, and she's giving her testimony on Capitol Hill. One might ask, why do I speak so passionately about issues that seem hypothetical or some may perceive as only impacting a small number of women? That gets said all the time. It gets said all the time that this is hardly ever happening. Don't believe that. It's happening everywhere. That's why I could do a show about it. Every single day. I could do the entire show about this issue every single day. There are so many, uh, so many instances of this going on. This is not hypothetical. This is real. I know women who have lost roster spots and spots on the podium 
I know of women with sexual trauma who are adversely impacted by having biological males in their locker room without their consent. I know this because I am one of these women. I was sexually assaulted on June 3rd of 2016. I was only 16 years old. I was able to forgive my attacker, but violence against women still exists. Let us not forget the viral Me Too movement that empowered female victims to speak up. It casts a spotlight on the widespread prevalence of sexual assault and abuse. Remember that? That was only a few years ago. And I realized there was a political you know, element and Supreme Court justice nominee, and there was a lot of politics, but there was a whole lot of things not related. The Me Too thing became a thing. And it was all about, you know, ultimately it was we believe her, right? We believe the women. And there were so many different things that highlighted what kinds of things sometimes women go through. And now the same people who did that, the same people who were for that, are against women like Paula Scanlon here including in scholarly and educational institutions. Individuals on this committee have previously stated violence against women is all too common. I am grateful for those members who have brought awareness to the violence against women in the past, but unfortunately, there's still much to be done. As a sexual assault survivor, many policies pushed today completely ignore my experiences and many women like me. I ask the members of this committee, please consider this issue outside the lens of political affiliations and understand the true impact of ignoring the realities of womanhood. Future generations depend on us. Thank you for the opportunity to speak here. See, I think, you know, the thing is there is that you've got to get the politics out of it to really have this discussion. And it's a moral authority issue. The reason we're having it, the reason there's confusion about this all of a sudden is because forever there hasn't been confusion about this until recently. And why is it? I think that it's because the church has lost its grip on moral authority. I think we can get it back. Uh, And, you know, I'd like to know what you think about that. But I think that for whatever the reasons are, uh, we've lost that. 888-528-2557. Eric in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Eric, you with us? All right, Eric, I'll come back to you. Rick in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. How are you? Hi, Rick. Um, okay. uh, yeah, you asked a question a few moments ago about, you know, who has the, the final authority in terms of what is right or wrong. I mean, in practical terms, the only one right now exercising that authority is the state. Mm-hmm. And this, this subject you're talking about is, very, you know, it's completely connected to everything else. Today, point in case, um, a school board in Riverside, and by the way, this is going to now mushroom all over California, has accepted, capitulated to a threat from Gavin Newsom. Originally, the school school board had voted against including LGBTQ. LGBTQ. Yeah, this was uh, in uh, Temecula, I think. That's right, Riverside County. Correct. Now they they voted against it, and um, and now with the threat of 1.5 million lawsuit or fine. Um, they have capitulated to this yeah. request to this so, demand, and now they're going to include it, and it's in a mushroom. So here's my question, yeah. though, for our, our show here, is the state, not too long ago, would not have been involved in a lot of these discussions, or they would have agreed with the bulk of the culture or even what uh, Judeo-Christian ethic would have taught. Why is right. the state now opposed to that ethic? Well, whatever it's like, it's basically started your war. The more the more space and 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 room that you uh, you abandon is taken by the other party. This is what the state's been doing. The more re- recession the church and and um, 
religious beliefs and uh, have have essentially relinquished, the state has taken over. Mm. And I think we see that more, you know, pervasive in the culture where we, we see that more and more and more. And they start early with education or indoctrination, which makes it very, very difficult later to turn those newer generations or the younger generations back because they didn't have the foundational uh, concepts of what, you know, yeah. Theoretically, right or wrong, yeah. but for us, it's real. Right Do you wrong. think that yeah. the church has lost moral authority on these issues? Yeah, and I think that's contributed both by staying silent, not taking a more active approach, uh, stepping aside, saying we don't want to interfere with the state, we don't want to make a lot of noise, we want to stay quiet. And I think that I think all of us believers are paying a price, you know, individually and collectively as, as part of the culture and part of the world that we're living in. Mm. For having taken that passive stance in, in, in which we have never drawn a line, we have, a, you know, accepted a lot of abuse and mockery uh, from culture that no other religions, by the way, tolerate or, you know. Uh, so I do believe that is, that is you know, okay. it's about taking more an active... Uh, yeah, so the church not being as active. I gotta, I'm going to let you go here, Rick. Thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. I think that there... There is something right about that, I think, that the church has backed off in a lot of ways, but also in some ways maybe we haven't been active in the right way. You know, maybe there's been a lot of speaking of things, but maybe, you know, one of the things I was getting at with the the Nancy Mace issue from the last segment where she, uh, you know, announced her her personal life at a prayer breakfast uh, is that maybe that's who we are now. And the thing when it comes to moral authority is this, is that if you're not living it out, if your activity does not match the moral authority you claim to have, you're going to lose that moral authority. That's true for governments. That's true for parents. You know, if you're, if you're a parent and you're telling your kids not to do drugs, but you're doing drugs, you, lost, you don't have moral authority on that issue. You know, you, if you are doing something that and then saying other to other people don't do as i do do as i say you're going to lose moral authority even if you're right in what you say and i wonder if that has been some of it 888-528-2557 888-528-2557 is a number i'm going to try eric in la one more time eric you there yeah i'm here all right go ahead eric yeah um uh, i want to comment on um on the lady uh, who went to attend the breakfast, uh, the Shredder? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so yeah, my take on this issue is that uh, in this day, this generation we live in now, um, most Christians uh, profess they are Christians with, with just their lips, but not from their heart. And, you know, it's pretty much easy for people to say they are Christians. Okay, but if you know, the Bible tells us that God, um, God looks at the heart, okay, not the outward, outward attributes of yeah. So, Eric, I don't have a very good connection with you. I'm trying to follow you. Are you talking about uh, what's on the heart? Do you think that Nancy Mace's comments reflects where a lot of Christians are today? Yes, of course. That's what it is now, today. Yeah. That's what it is today. I mean, that, that's the kind of generation we live in now as Christians now. Okay, people just uh, confess they are Christians with their lips, but not searching hard. So you kind of very, like, you see, like, here hey, now, this is the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Like, she says she's a Christian, but, you know, mm. As a Christian, you cannot be saying something. You know, there's a sort of um, yeah. authority in your lips. Okay, so out of your heart, okay, 
Right. Eric, I'm gonna, I don't have a good connection. I think I'm following where you're going, but I don't have a very good connection. But I think what you're talking about is what is on our heart, and uh, that does matter. We've got to take a break, and I see your calls, uh, Enrique and David and others. The number is 888-528-2557. The question I'm asking here is the church lost its moral authority in these areas, particularly in a sexual ethic. And uh, how do we get it back is uh, the next step. This is the Pastor Scott Show, Thursday edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. What are the benefits of receiving gender-affirming care? They're enormous. They, they produce positive mental health outcomes for these young people. They dramatically improve, improve their quality of life. They do better in school. They develop positive social relationships. We heard that with Ms. Reynolds' testimony. Their relationships with their family improves. And their gender dysphoria is alleviated. And any depression, anxiety, suicidality is dramatically reduced. Uh, There's a a study from 2022 that found a 73% reduction in suicidality among kids who had received this treatment. That was testimony at a congressional hearing that uh, that just happened. And this is a witness who is uh, promoting the idea of the success of gender therapies. And he quotes the study at the end where he says there's a 73% advantage stuff. He's quoting a study that came out of the uh, University of Washington and the Seattle Children's Hospital. That study is the one study that gets quoted all the time in the United States that is pushing the gender-affirming care. Did you know that study is – it doesn't even say what they're saying it says. It's not that it's debunked. The study does not give those figures. The study says it did nothing for people who got this care, and the study doesn't even track the people who didn't long-term. It's not even true. that The way the study is being used is not even true. That's on Capitol Hill. Europeans, of course, are backing away from this kind of treatment because the studies that are coming out, and the long-term studies are going to take a while, right? It's going to take years are showing that it is likely actually more harmful over time for people psychologically. Now, we talk about this in a whole lot of different angles. What we're talking about right now is moral authority. How did we get here? And one of the things that I have proposed is that the church, in a way, in culture, particularly in a sexual ethic with a lot of the stuff, has lost its moral authority. Part of it is because we haven't lived up to the calling upon our own lives for holiness and I think when you do that, it gets very hard to hold on to your moral authority. How do we get it back? What do we need to do? Do you agree with me or disagree? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Enrique in Norwalk, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi. Hi, Enrique. Thanks for holding on. What do you think about this? Well, I, I think we have lost the zeal. Yeah. Uh, the church has. Uh, we as parents, as humans, have lost it. And, uh, of course, you know, with God, everything is possible, so we can get that back. But, unfortunately, a lot of churches nowadays ain't teaching God's Word as it is. I mean, I grew up in Norwalk. I'm Mexican-American, you mm-hmm. know, served this country. Um, when I grew up, I grew up a bunch, a bunch of white people, which were beautiful with me. And, uh, you know, I had the privilege of, when I was a kid, you know, I'm 52, but when I was a kid, the bus would come by from a, a Presbyterian church, and that's where my mom sent me. And then, you know, six months later, 
uh, the Baptists started coming around, so that's where I went to church. So I got to learn a lot of different things about churches, uh-huh. and now as an adult, I can see, well, this church teaches that. That's not what God's Word says, and, mm. you know, unfortunately, as an adult, you know, with sin and everything in my life, you know, I backslid and, and you know, find it hard to get back into God's Word and got into God's church. And I think that's what we've lost. We've lost pastors that teach God's Word as it is, as it is written, that are afraid to say, you know what, There's the Bible doesn't talk about baptizing a baby, and, you know, they won't. There's a lot of there's a lot of things I think that aren't aren't taught, but there's also even when it is taught, I think the church doesn't live it out so much, right? And I think the culture knows that, right? So that's that's one of the issues there. Thank you, Enrique, for calling the Pastor Scott Show. That I think is really critical here. That if we believe that the Word of God is true, ultimately true, then it's not just about us obeying God. We need to do that as believers, as followers of Christ, no matter what the culture thinks. But we also need to have an understanding that if the Word of God is true, that means that it is the best and right path for human beings of any culture to follow, right? That if it's actually true, if it's actually true that marriage should be between one man and one woman, that if it's actually true that they should not be sexually intimate until marriage, that that's the best path, you know, it in the sinful world, in a world where there is temptation, in a world where we are fallen, it doesn't guarantee that it'll be the best marriage or no divorce. But the studies say it's the best path there is. We're not going to have perfection until we go to heaven before we're with the Lord in the new heaven and new earth. I think this is a big part of the moral authority that we need to have, that it's not just about internal in the church. We start there. We've got to repent on this in our teaching, but also our following. I think a lot of the teaching is maybe correct, but maybe we don't expect people to follow, or maybe we're too tolerant internally. And I don't mean you'd be a jerk about it because that's another, it's a whole nother side is that now we don't have, we're completely graceless with people, right? It's a whole nother problem. We've, we've chased people out of the church on either side because we don't have the grace of God or the truth of God, those kinds of things. But I think that we can do it. And the argument when we're talking about the sort of the transgender stuff or the, the critical theory stuff and the gender issues I think one of the reasons that we don't have the the authority we used to, even in the state, is because it doesn't seem like that we're sure about this. Can I encourage you to be sure about what the Word of God says about these things and to follow Christ? I think if the church does that, I think I think the the society changes, and a lot of people, of course, come to Christ with that. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Luana from San Diego, welcome to Pastor Scott Show. Hello, Pastor Scott. Thank you for uh, allowing me to speak. Yeah, I, I wanted to touch a little bit on your topic here. I think it's absolutely amazing that you're addressing this, and thank you for doing that. Um, I believe that the church throughout the years has really uh, lowered their standards. It's like Christ said, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your way, your thoughts. And I think that years ago, the door started opening. Uh, I've been in ministry now for 43 years. And I watched as uh, I'm, I remember somebody at church bringing me a Tyler Perry show, with he, the first transgender man dressed like a woman. But Satan is smooth. He's a smooth operator. So he's trying to get that into every uh, Christian's home. And I, I remember hearing so many Christians uh, being apart. Watch this movie. I couldn't watch five minutes of it without being defiled. I said, this is garbage, Do you guys. think, though, you, is that just a function of, I'm, I got a bunch of calls, so is that just a function of culture, or is that an outgrowth of 
you know, what I'm trying to get is us to look at ourselves, to, to take the log out of our own eye. Is I think that's uh, exactly. I think the problem is that there's a lot of compromise in the body of Christ. I think many Christians sit in church in adultery, fornication, and compromising in movies. And how do we get back? Like Israel. Israel fell away over and over and over again. And little by little, they begin to blend into the world. Well, the, God sent the prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah. And that's what God's doing today. I believe that we have to start preaching the straight truth, and pastors need to stop worrying about money and um, popularity, and they need to stop worrying about filling their pews up with people and worry about getting them into heaven. Um, and we need to we need to live it out. I want to see if I can get another, another call. Luana, I thank you for calling and listening. Uh, Bill and Corona, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Good morning. Hi. Good afternoon. Hi, Bill. Just a couple, Hi, seconds, here. Just a couple seconds here. Okay. Okay, so I just want you to know that, that I've, been, I, I've been in and out of prison all my life, but when I truly gave my life to Christ, I decided that the day I got out of prison, me and my wife went down and got married, just so we would stay pure. Mm-hmm. And my, my life, I've been out for 16 years, have had no trouble since, had 16 years of drug-free and all that. So, yes, we can definitely, we have to definitely be pure if Christ is going to work in us, I'm now studying to be a pastor, and I'm telling you, it's all about because I made a decision to be pure in my walk. Bill, thank you for uh, your testimony there, and God bless you. Thank you for doing that. That's the right, you know, I think we need to hear that God blesses us when we're obedient and uh, takes us forward. Even when we've been terribly disobedient in the past, we can repent right now and do what he wants, and God will use us. Bill, thank you for that. Uh, there's a lot of other calls. I won't get to all of them. Jesse and David and Lori and Chuck and others, thank you for calling. Uh, you know, tomorrow we do Open Line Friday. Maybe we'll bring up this subject again. I think it's a good one. Um, moral authority, can I just leave you kind of with what Bill had to say there, that if we want moral authority back, I think that, that you know, God has the moral authority. That's why he's the judge. That's why every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. You know, those things will be worked out. And it might be God's plan that our culture is going to have to decline. And if that's God's plan, that's God's plan. But maybe God's plan is for revival, and it's going to start with us. And it's, I believe it starts with us not merely speaking out and not merely getting the teaching right. That matters, but it's also living it right and being brave, brave spiritually, to realize that we have nothing to fear, that we can put our fear aside. When we come back, we're going to change the subject a little bit. There's a movie coming out that I want you to see. It comes out tomorrow, and it's called The Essential Church. And this movie is not what you might expect. And I've got the writer and director here with me. We're going to talk about that uh, as the Thursday edition of The Pastor Scott Show continues. Don't go away. You don't want to miss this part. You'll be encouraged. We'll see you in a minute. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.